Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. Hey there everyone, I'm Aaron Noonan, and welcome aboard to the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken, a world leader in engineered bearings and mechanical power transmission products and services. Now this week's guest on the podcast is none other than 2017 Bathurst 1000 winner, Luke Yulin. And here on part two, we cover a whole range more topics. We talk about winning co-driver races at Sandown, we talk about his three-year stint with Brad Jones Racing alongside Fabian Coulthard. We talk about following Fabian up to DJR Team Penske and how it ended there to the point where he thought that his supercar's endurance career was over and then, of course, the ultimate day, winning Bathurst in 2017 with Erebus alongside David Reynolds. Luke tackles the National Motor Racing Museum couch racer questions and there's some good ones in there and also the Motor Focus Top 10 shootout. Now, I chatted to Luke earlier this week over a Zoom call from his home on the Gold Coast in Queensland. So here we go. Buckle up. It's time to start part two of Luke Gilden on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Timken. He ended up back at Stone Brothers in 2012 with Chamber and the SP Tools car. So yep. did they ring? Did you ring? What else was on the table at that point? Uh, no, I chased them. So I, I um, and yeah, they, they gave me the lifeline. They, they, they um, it was pretty much a swap with, between myself and McIntyre, I think. You know what I mean? So, um, and and I drew great pleasure in, in winning the uh, the co-driver race that year, um, and having McIntyre behind me in the car, I just uh, been fired out of. So. <laughs> I did that actually twice in my career. Just a little bit. Yeah, and it happened again in uh, in you know obviously in seventeen when when I when I got when I got uh, booted from Penske and ended up at uh, at Erebus. So. Were the uh, you the stats books probably uh, betray you a little bit because of those Sandown Saturday afternoon qualifying races? Uh, at the time, they weren't for points, so um, yeah. they're part of qualifying, not part of races. So there's a couple of stats there that you probably don't get credited with that, that you should have because you, you won some races up against 25 other uh, crazy batch driving around out at Sandown for 20 laps. So uh, yeah. You know that you won them, even though they're not in the stats books. But it was those Saturday Enduros, whether it was Phillip Island or Sandown, whoever you were paired with in whatever car with whatever team, you you just kept on punching out wins in the top twos and three. Yeah, I don't know. I managed to choose the right team at the right time, I guess. I, I don't know what it was. But uh, th- those actual Phillip Island races were, were, were awesome because we actually got to qualify the car as well, you know what I mean, for our own race. I really enjoyed those. And... And um, it really sort of highlighted how quick the co-drivers were. I remember Steve Owen actually beating Wink up in the same car uh, that year. I remember being very, very close to Frosty in, in 2010, but it took him to his last set of tyres to actually beat my time. So that, that gave us, you know, I think that gave us great confidence in, in those races to actually have a couple of sets of qualifying tyres and, and actually have a real hot go. But obviously the Sandown stuff later on, you, you never really get an opportunity to qualify it, but you just had to race it from where, where the lead driver qualified it. But um, at those points, I was lucky enough to be in a, in a quick car and, and you know, and, and Van Gears and, and Reynolds actually qualified the cars on pole and made my job pretty easy. 2013, uh, the car era changed, but uh, importantly, Stone Brothers changed because they left the sport, sold out to Erebus. 
so did that kind of leave you looking for a, a new home or were you already looking or Brad Jones Racing called or how did that all come to be? Was was Phil <laughs> Key part of that because he'd been at FPR before that and he was at BJR at that stage? I'm not sure how much involvement he was in getting me there, but I, I chased Brad Jones for sure, and, and they gave me the opportunity. I, I did have an opportunity to stay. Um, ended up turning out to be Erebus, of course, but at that period of time, we couldn't get an answer. You know, I mean, obviously they had so many things happening that, that co-drivers weren't a priority. Um, and I remember Bairdo actually was there as well. He ended up staying at Erebus, and, and, and I remember him saying to, to Baz at the time, look, you know, we're our biggest priority. I know you're not, we're not a priority to you, but again, we're our biggest priority. So we need to look after ourselves. And if you can't give us an answer, we need to explore options. And, and basically I'd done the deal with Brad um, because I couldn't get an answer out of Erebus. And, and after I've done the deal, I ended up getting a phone call from him saying, Hey, look, you're driving for us this year, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, I tried to, but I, like, I couldn't get an answer that. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I'm not sure if he actually remembers that, but um, Anyway, that's the way it turned out. Yeah, so you, you and Fabian became a, a combo for, I think, three years, and then it went on to, to DJR Team Penske. There was a podium on the Gold Coast. There was some yep. – uh, one year in particular, that Lockwood car was a rocket ship at Bathurst, and I think it was fastest in Friday qualifying. Uh, yep. Which of those – what was the highlight of that, that BJR period for you? Yeah, again, just just lucky that, that the car of the future, that those boys like Phil Keaton, they had a mega setup. So those cars were like rocket ships out, out of the bat. So that, that were the cars to be in. You know what I mean? I just, uh, I don't know if it was luck or what, but um, just found myself in, in a really quick team again. And yeah, we, we had really great opportunities, obviously podiums uh, at, uh, you know, at Gold Coast. Um, you know, I, I really loved driving with Fabs again because he was, he was quite tall as well, which over the years I've had some pretty short teammates and, and some pretty ordinary seating positions. So it was great to get back in a, in a car with someone with long legs for a change. And um, yeah, I really loved that time. I mean, driving with Brad and Kim, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're racers, you know what I mean? They get it. You know, so it's it's always good job for someone that's that's been there and done it and, and, and sort of can feel some of the emotions you feel as well. So I think that helps the team move forward. Fabian moved. You yep. moved. Up, yep. up, so you were you're in Queensland at the time, so it became a a, a home team by that stage anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously the, the chance to – it was more the chance to stay with Fabs, to be honest, rather than the chance to go to Penske, other than the – I mean, to drop it. But Penske is mega, obviously. You know, you know what I mean. And and to meet the the captain, and to and to say that I've driven for Penske is you know feather in my cap for sure. Um, I knew Slady was you know we have probably had the opportunity to to stay at Brad's. I, I, I'm pretty sure, and and I was 99% sure that he actually wanted Delberta to come with him. You know what I mean. So uh, I actually tried to sit in Slady's seating position as well, and there was no way I could drive that car. So anyway, so we, obviously we stayed with Babs and, and, and it worked out. But uh, that, was a, that was a tough year for me, 16 for sure. Um, those Falcons were a lot, diff lot different to drive than the Commodore. And I think Babs was battling a little bit as well because in, in the BJR car, to, to go faster, we would just brake later and carry more speed. We're in, in the Falcon at that time, you, you could carry too much. You couldn't, yeah, yeah, it was like a real finicky car to drive. You know what I mean? You could brake too hard. You know, 1K an hour too fast at an understeer. So basically jumping in after not doing anything, trying to get your head around that was it was a challenge. Even though I was, you know, pretty quick, like at Bathurst, we were really quick. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it was a time where I moved back to Queensland, had, had a, a newborn, um, things were going 
you know, so many things happening outside of racing as well. It was, I didn't integrate myself into the team as well as I probably could have. Um, Delberto did a much better job at that, and 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 he stayed on obviously for the year after. So I, I was I was out of a drive in a sixteen. Yeah, I, it was uh, probably the worst I've ever felt in supercars. Like I, usually you come out of uh, Gold Coast round, team owner would say something like, "Awesome job, let's have a chat, we'll do a deal," or or you know, but um, Ryan Ryan's story basically said, uh, "We'll look at the numbers and get back to you." You know what I mean? Like uh, he just made me feel really, really ordinary. But uh, to to his credit, he was one of the, the few team owners that actually rang me and said, "Look, mate, we're not we're not looking in your direction anymore. We're going to go with with with, uh, with someone else. So best of luck." You know what I mean? So um, and then lucky enough, I, I actually was doing some driver training in Melbourne. Um, for Audi, a lot of us are good mates with David Reynolds. He was close by. He came out for dinner and, and, and for a joke, I said, look, mate, I think I'm out of a gig. What are you guys up to next year? And um, they made a bit of a laugh about it and blah, blah, blah. But actually, Christmas time, he rang me up and said, mate, we were looking for a driver and, and are you interested? So I like, jumped at the opportunity. So I went from supercar career, finished at the end of 16, to, to obviously winning Bathurst the year after. It was, it was mega. Before yeah. we touch on Bathurst, because it's got to take up a bit of time, because it's kind of a big thing, really. At yeah. The end yeah. That sixteen period where you felt that the you've come to the end of the line, albeit sixteen year line, which has been a pretty solid run. Yeah. What were the? I guess the thing is with so many drivers, whether they've been champions or winners of stuff or midfielders or uh, you know journeymen or whatever you want to describe any of the drivers as. You all get a kick in the guts or multiple kicks in the guts at, at multiple times. And you mentioned about 16 kind of being one of those big ones. What were the big yep. ones along the way and how did you pick yourself back up or was it harder each time to pull yourself back up off the canvas, put the gloves on and go swing again? Uh, it's 11, so it's like 10 when I had those questions with Frosty and they weren't my fault, you know what I mean? I, I sort of had confidence that they weren't my fault. So, you know, when things aren't your fault, you, you sort of don't lose anything, I guess. Um, 11 when I crashed at Bathurst, that, that was a definite kick in the guts because that was a big mistake I made, you know what I mean? That was an opportunity lost. Um, other ones, you know, I mean, I, I guess, you know, as, as, as you get more and more experienced, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if you would. I don't know. You just approach it differently, think a little bit differently, and, and if you know, you know, the world's not going to end. You know, another opportunity will come up. Um, you know, I, I was sort of pretty clever with my money. I thought, you know, I didn't sort of buy toys and bits and pieces. I thought it was always going to be okay. You know what I mean? Had some investments happening, and yeah, you know I mean, I, I, I wasn't too worried about it, but. Um, I guess, you know, you just you just have confidence in yourself that you can do the job, given the right equipment, and you just press on and look for another opportunity, I guess. And that opportunity yeah. with a bunch of self-confessed misfits and rejects yeah. from other places yeah. delivered yeah. a virtuoso performance at the Mountain yeah. in 2017. And you yeah. achieved a part of history because you were the first man to ever piggyback your co-driver, uh, your partner, <laughs> onto the podium at the Bathurst 1000. Yeah. An Erebus Bathurst win without something like that. Yeah, that was actually my idea, to be honest, because um, oh, I knew, really? I to, yeah, I knew I had to do something stupid, <laughs> so, and it was stupid because not a lot of people know this as well. But I actually tore my ACL on the Wednesday of that Bathurst, doing it like a charity, yeah, doing a, doing a charity basketball match uh, at uh, at Kelso, and it's a uh, it's a previously damaged knee as well. So anyway, what, what was it damaged from previously though? As a young kid. Well, 
sport or racing? Or? I actually I actually damaged it playing basketball in 2011, and I actually did 2012 and 2013 with a totally ruptured right right ACL. Got it fixed in 14, and then ruptured it again um, in 17. And since then, yeah, I've I've been driving with a, with a, with no right ACL, and it's reasonably important leg. <laughs> but um, I, I was actually when I was piggybacking on the podium, I was like. Well, this is probably a bad idea because uh, I had to rely on that right knee, um, you know, for a fair bit of strength to get up there. So, uh, as, have you told anyone this before? Uh, there's a few people that know this, but in the team, like obviously Dave knows it. Um, so the guys in the team know it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly didn't hinder my performance, and I was lucky enough to have reasonable muscle tone around it. But I, I was, I was in a bit of trouble on that on that Wednesday and that Thursday. We had. Um, Lots and lots of anti-inflams and, and, and strapping and, and all sorts of things happening. But, um, yeah, fortunately enough, it, it, it sort of it worked out. Yeah, it, it worked out good. It worked out yeah. really good. Yeah. I've often wondered, um, I've spoken to Garth Tander about this, and he's had the chance to win Bathurst early and then had to wait a long time for his next two. And each yeah. time he won, it was with the driver winning their first Bathurst. So Will Davison yeah. in 09 and Nick Perkett in 11. And, yep. and both of those guys have told me that Garth pulled them aside before they stood on the podium and said, this will change your life. What you're yep. about to do or what you've just done will change your life. How has being a Bathurst 1000 winner changed your life in what shape or form? Yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, everywhere you go now, you're just introduced as Bathurst winner. You know what I mean? And that, and that carries some degree of respect. So even with people that actually don't follow the sport, you know what I mean? So you can you can not follow you know horse racing and, and get introduced as a you know you know Melbourne Cup winning jockey, and all of a sudden, oh, hang on, there's there's a little bit more respect, and you can sort of see it. You know what I mean? So I think that's what's changed the most is that that little bit of more respect you get. I guess that you know I don't think I was any better or worse driver because I won it. It's just the fact that you you, you happen to win those big races. You know, you know what I mean? So um, that's what's changed for me. I, on the professional side, outside of motorsport, I think it's helped me in my Porsche career, if you like. Um, I'm second in charge to, to Thomas Meser at Porsche Driving School now, and 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 it looks like you know eventually he's going to obviously move on, and, and I'm probably next in line. And I think if I hadn't won Bathurst, they they, they could be looking at someone else with a, a slightly better reputation for winning different things, I guess. So I think it's probably helped me in that respect. But, you know, I haven't become a millionaire overnight or anything, you know what I mean? So I'm you know, pretty sure that a lot of fans that probably listen to this podcast probably don't appreciate that you actually don't get any money for winning Bathurst. So I've got literally nothing out of it. Don't even have a trophy. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it sucks, you know what I mean? So if you win the Melbourne Cup, at least you get like a little trophy. <clears throat> I'd have to rig you up a, a mini Peter Brock or something like that. Yeah. You can get them, but I, it costs like seven grand or something to get a replica made. And I was like, no, it's probably seven grand I can best spend on something else. Yeah, so. You've got two daughters who I'm sure are very adept at using Play-Doh to make stuff. So they yeah. could rig up a Peter Brock trophy for you at home. Yeah, well, I, I think down the track I'll probably get one made up. But at this point, yeah, again, we need, we need to press on spending on other things, especially in this COVID period far out. Yeah, it's a very strange yeah. time that we live in. So, uh, yeah. yeah, splashing, splashing cash on uh, replica trophies probably not a good idea, but I'm sure someone no. on the track you can no. treat yourself and uh, put that one on the shelf. Every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars. Unforgettable.
What was the standout moment in that race where you believe we're on today, we can win this race? Every driver who wins Bathurst and every combination I've ever spoken to has a point. Maybe it's in the weekend, not so much on the race day itself, but when it clicks in a gear for them to say, oh, hang on, yep, all the things that we want to be, we are and we can be today. What was the feeling for you? Yeah, that was a funny one. It probably happened during the weekend because our, our car was a bit of a rocket ship leading in the quali and, and it was some of the changes they made during my session that I felt like this car's, this car's really good, you know what I mean? So um, that was the drive, of course. Uh, you know, I think if it stayed wet all day, we probably wouldn't have had the same opportunity. But having said that, we are top two or top three all day anyway. So, um, but I think the FPR cars in particular were probably better in the rain and historically they have been. So... Um, it, it was weird, you know, I mean, we, none of us had driven in the rain all that weekend, you know, it obviously started raining on the grid. We're like, all right, what, where's this going to end up? But I, I knew if we could stay top three all day, which is what we did, and, and if, it, if it did dry up, I, I knew we'd be, we'd be hot to trot, and, and that's what happened. So um, as soon as we saw that last safety car, Dave's in front, you know, it dried up, you know, yeah, you know I, I knew we were on it. Yeah, yeah. You'd stood on the Bathurst podium before, or be actually, that was the different podium, wasn't it? Because it had been yeah. knocked yeah. over between uh, from 2003 yeah. and the, the other years. Uh, what's the feeling when you finally do get to stay on there? Because that's the culmination of everything you've been trying to do for 17, 18, 19 years, and you, you finally get to do it. Is it a case where you actually understand that it's not the moment, but it actually is the journey that is the reward to get to the moment? I'm always interested in how this... Um, plays out in the minds of, of top-level sportsmen and women. Yeah, I mean, you've you got to be, um, yeah, it's, it's probably things like you, you look at being in the right car at the right time, but it's that's not just luck, you know what I mean? You, you've you've got to you've got to perform in other cars and that'll lead you to the opportunity to drive in that car and, you know, you know what I mean? So it's probably everything you've done in your career leads up to that point, as you said, you know what I mean? So, um Definitely was the journey. I think I probably appreciated it more because it was so late in my career. Again, if it was like a per cap where I won it straight up, I'm not sure he probably appreciated it. I'm probably, I don't know for sure, but he probably doesn't appreciate it. I'm sure if he won it now, I'm sure he'd appreciate it more than he won it then. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, I'll spit it out in a second. But um, yeah, I, I definitely very much appreciated that win because I know how hard it is to win that race. You know what I mean? I've been on to win that race a few times and then it never never, never came out. So to, to finally get it across the line, I really savoured it. Um, you know, and it's, yeah, it's just an unbelievable feeling, really. Yeah. yeah. Was there ever a thought of doing a Nico Rosberg where he finally won the world champion? He won the thing that mattered most to him and then he thought, oh, I think you go two ways. You go, I've had a taste. I like that taste. I want to drink more from that cup. Or... You know what? I got what I wanted. I'm I'm done. How did you feel out of all of that? Well, I felt like we needed to keep the momentum up. You know what I mean? I felt like we really had a, another opportunity. You know what I mean? So and, and we did. You know what I mean? Uh, we we were on for 18. Like we we should have won that race by miles. But um, so I think I made the right call in that respect. You know what I mean? So take advantage of the momentum the team had and felt like I was driving well. And, and that's yeah. So it was never a, never a thought of. Um, you know, if I lucked on the opportunity, maybe or something would have been a little bit differently. But I felt like we genuinely, you know, had the opportunity and had the opportunity again. So, 
yeah, that was, for me, it was just being selfish and trying to capitalise on the momentum, I guess. But maybe I should have stopped in 18. It probably would have saved a few heartaches. I was going to say, 2018 was the year, obviously, that, that Dave put it on pole and led a, yeah. a guts of laps and you did as well and had his yeah. um, issues with his leg and then it all unravelled from there with the, the penalty and it all turned to poo pretty quickly as it does at Bathurst. Was Until he made that radio call and he was struggling and Lowndes was circling, did you have any idea that he was not as prepared as he could have been, should have been, or would like to have been? Uh, it's a funny weekend because we, we were pulled from pillar to post that weekend. Um, so to being the previous year's winners, you get so many more um, media commitments and sponsor commitments and you know, it, it, start, it starts the weekend before, you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, I, I don't know how Lowndes has dealt with it for, for the amount of years he has. Like, he, he must just have the ability to to switch off and switch on. But um, certainly I look at it from Dave's point of view. I, I, I felt like I was probably – I knew what was sort of happening. I made sure I took water with me and food with me to – because it gets to the point, Noons, where, like, you, you're jump, jumping from so many different things. You don't have time to eat. You don't have time to – drink you know what I mean like there's that many things happening so um you know we changed it for 19 and we we're much better prepared in 19 but yeah I, I could see over the course of the weekend that we we're, were getting pulled from pillar to post and we probably weren't as well prepared as what we could have been in terms of driving the car and looking after ourselves yeah for sure yeah. so neither of you stopped and said anything to, to the team or to the sponsors <laughs> to anyone you just sort of went well this is being the Bathurst champions we'll do what we've got to do or I think it was pretty that yeah I mean especially Dave he, you know he never wants to disappoint anyone and, and I'm probably the same you know what I mean so if someone wants an autograph you give him one you know what I mean if someone wants to chat to you you chat to them you know what I mean so yeah that, that sort of stuff happens to the point where we had to get escorted from the back of the garage to those trucks, you know what I mean, at, at, at back of Bathurst. So otherwise, we'd literally be stuck there for, for half an hour signing autographs and doing bits and pieces. So um, the team have put in protocols and bits and pieces since then to make sure that doesn't happen again because, it, it, you know, as important as sponsors are and looking after fans and things are, at the end of the day, you have to look after yourself and make sure you do the job in the car and, and um, that's the most important thing. Yeah, the COVID times, mate, have been very strange for everybody, no matter what part of motor racing, automotive or the world that, you, that you've been in. But what it did do was it opened up uh, the fact that we had no car racing going on there for quite a few months. So yep. the, the uh, Erebus Docco series was much yes. more highly intensified than it perhaps otherwise yeah. would have yep. been because everyone didn't have anything else to watch in motor racing land at the time. Uh, lots been said about... Um, how you were presented or how Barry Ryan was presented and your relationship in, in that. Uh, can you give it to us straight on how you, you felt when it all came out? And I know you have spoken about this a little bit, but um, what was your take on it all when it all washed out? Yeah, Baz actually rang me before that episode, I guess, and said, look, mate, the, the, the way they've edited this, it doesn't look good. You know what I mean? So um, he said, look, things are said in the heat of battle. I probably don't, you know, um, I'm not proud of, and but he said, look, if you, if you have a problem, just give me a call, you know, I won't shy away from it. But, you know, I think he felt like he was portrayed a little bit differently to how he actually expected it to be. Um, but at the end of the day, he said what he said and, and um, you know, he's, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve and I can appreciate it. I, I made the mistake, so you, you can't expect a team owner to be happy about it, you know what I mean? So, um, but I mean, during, while that was happening, I wasn't aware of anything that was said. Obviously, I could feel it within the team that, you know, you know, you don't have to have someone telling you um, 
how you're going, you know, in yourself, especially with the experience I've had. So it, it was an ordinary time, you know what I mean? We, the, the cars weren't, weren't as good as they were the year before. We didn't quite have the balance. Um, I definitely weren't as, wasn't as comfortable in the car. So, um, yeah, little, little mistakes sort of made, were made, I guess, that turned into big ones in the end. I, I, I still felt like I was driving okay, but just everything that could go against me sort of went against me. And that's the way it ended up. And, and, you know, it was fair to say I wasn't enjoying it. And, and that sort of contributed to my decision to step away at the end of that year. Obviously, there was the crash in practice at Bathurst that was a big yeah. element of it. And then the... I guess I mean you got a tro- I mean everyone might have forgotten, but you got a great podium at the Gold Coast, which yeah. uh, would have been a nice way if the Gold Coast was in the old order of the last enduro rather than than Sandown. And then obviously Sandown yeah. unfolded with that incident with Dalwood. I think it wasn't uh, the Rick Kelly Nissan. Uh, yeah. How did that whole discussion go down? Because it's 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 a case of like you said, you usually have the chat with the team owner to say more next year or we'll call you. Uh, how did it all flow out with Erebus? Uh I'd made the decision in my own head, I think, even before Sandown. You know what I mean? When did you make make the decision? I think probably after the Gold Coast. You know what I mean? So I think, you know, this is, I'm not really enjoying this as much as I should be. Um, Yeah, you know, I don't need to be doing it if I'm not enjoying it. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I love racing cars and, and just, but there was something different about it, you know, in supercar land. If you know, you have you have to be really, really on it in those cars now, and 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 you need to be doing super two, and it just just you just need to be driving them. You know what I mean? And and for me, literally just turning up, maybe doing one test day, and then and then into Bathurst, and you know, I mean, it's just it's not enough. You know what I mean? So, I think they've recognised that this year, putting Will in, Will Brown in, you know, the Erebus car, because they just recognise that you need miles. You know what I mean? So. What I'm most, most disappointed about is we didn't get that opportunity for me, you know what I mean? So we had all that stuff in place. We could have done it in 19 and things would have probably been a lot different. So, um, but yeah, but uh, I jumped on the front foot. It's probably a week after Sandown. I said, listen, guys, send an email to them, to, 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 to Barry, to Betty, to Dave and to, and to Alistair saying, look, I think you need to, to look, at, uh, look at Will or someone like that because he's, he's the future. I think of, you know, I need, I need to step aside. So I just thanked him for the opportunity. And, and I got really, really awesome emails back, like particularly from Baz. Like, he, yeah, um, what, what he said in the email was 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 mega. So I'll, I'll never forget that, yeah. 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 Uh, it's one of the most commonly things we get asked about here at V8 Sleuth because we do love the histories of the old cars. People love the Mercs, the E63 AMGs. So that's what I guess yeah. you're alluding to, that they did wheel one of those cars out at a, a day up at Winton and there was – a bit of chat mooted that it might have had a run in Super 2 giving you a, a drive to get your miles yeah. up before the Enduros. How yeah. close was that really ever going to be to happening? Or it sounds like it was a red-hot chance. It was a red-hot chance, but I still needed to find the money, you know what I mean, at the end of the day, and and, and I couldn't find it, to be honest. I, I had a sponsor in place. It didn't turn out to be right. You know, it just didn't work out, but... Um, you know, it was probably unfortunate timing, the fact that Erebus, you know, we're rebuilding, a lot of focus on, on the lead cars, you know what I mean? So, um, again, probably probably not enough focus going back on, on what they could have done, it, you know, for Super 2, you know what I mean? So, uh, that stuff there, I mean, there's a, there's a heap of chassis, there's a million engines, there's a million gearboxes, there's so many things, you know what I mean? So, it wouldn't actually take very much money to run, to be honest, but... Um, it does take money, and I didn't have any, and that's the way it worked out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very yeah. simple formula, isn't it, motor racing? Yeah, 
yeah, lots of money and end up with not so much at the end of it. Yeah, I think, you know, because we had the success in 17 and 18, you know, they probably felt like, well, Luke doesn't need the miles maybe or, you know what I mean? But I, I sort of felt like 19, I probably needed the miles. Uh, the cars were a lot different, particularly in the aero balance, you know what I mean? So uh, those boys had lived with it. You know what I mean? I, I jumped in and tried to drive the car how I drove it the year before and didn't have the same balance and hence the crash. Um, I just felt like I had no front when I crashed. Like it was a really weird incident and obviously we just, you know, on the back foot from, from there, you know what I mean? So, and, and then obviously Dave qualified poorly with the drive through. I think you were expecting Dave to drive through, but the car actually wasn't up to it, you know what I mean? So we sort of just battled around the back all day at Bathurst and, and that changes the momentum, changes the feeling in the team, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just it's, it's a bit of a negativity comes across everything. So um, it just steamrolls from there, unfortunately. So that's that's why the good teams keep winning, I think, because they just have that mentality and it stays up, you know what I mean? Uh, you, yeah. I mean, not many people get to do 20 Bathurst 1000s and not many people get to win it. So you're in a very exclusive club of, people who are on that role of honour forever uh, with some of the greatest names in the history of the sport. So uh, that's something you should be very, very proud of. We'll get back to our chat in just a moment, but I wanted to quickly tell you about our good friends at Timken, a world leader in engineered bearings and power transmission products and services. Now, you might know their name and recognise their logo, but did you know that you're probably relying on Timken products whenever you fly? Timken products have been used since the early days of experimental aircraft flights at the turn of the 20th century, right through to the huge superliners that take us around the world these days. In fact, when your next flight comes into land, it's likely that its landing gear on the plane you're on contains Timken bearings. When a 500 tonne, yes, 500 tonne airplane, touches down on the runway, all of that load is transmitted to the ground through the landing wheels. And when those wheels touch the tarmac, they accelerate from zero to over 280 kilometres per hour in less than a second and experience temperature changes from sub-zero up at 30,000 feet to extremely high heat under braking on the runway. Each year, Timken's vast experience sees more than 12,000 product designs on more than 400,000 active planes, adding up to 1 billion safe landings and allowing 3 billion passengers to reach their destinations. We'll bring you more cool facts about Timken in each episode of the V8 Sleuth podcast this year. Now, it's back to our chat. You close the door on supercar racing. Are you open to doing some other stuff here and there for a bit of fun, some more 12-hour GT stuff or maybe some proddy car fun? Or Are you open to having a bit of a burn in something here and there? Yeah, absolutely. It's just a shame this COVID thing's happened because I've got a GT deal lined up. Um, you may even see me in Carrera Cup at some point as well. You know what I mean? So... So I've definitely got things. I've, I've only retired from V8s, you know what I mean? So it's because it takes so much time and effort in those things, whereas most of my work now is is driver coaching. So I get to get to coach and drive these guys I'm coaching um, in the same car with them, you know what I mean? So that's, that's my future beyond, obviously, the V8. So I really enjoy that as well. But it's, it's, it's a great opportunity to, to, to help guys and, and drive some really cool cars because GT cars are absolutely my favourite car to drive. So, um, yeah, you, you'll see me out there for sure, absolutely. We yeah. can't get rid of you that easily. Um, no. no. I tell you what, uh, part of our podcast is that we open up the floor to our, uh, our fans and our followers. 
Uh, yep. The National Motor Racing Museum, as you know, at Mount Panorama hosts some of the most amazing cars and trophies and, and memorabilia there. Great supporters of ours. Uh, they present our couch racer questions. So these questions yep. have come from the couch. We'll zip through them because we have had a pretty long recording session so far. Uh, Patrick Harding says, Hi, Luke. I didn't realise you did a season of NZV8s until I pulled out a signed poster from you recently. Can you tell us a bit more about your racing in NZ? And P.S., thanks for the autograph. So when he says thank you, he can't not ask the question. Sure. I actually did almost three seasons of NZV8s. So, um, yeah, 05, 06. Um, and then from there, that, that was an awesome opportunity. We raced across uh, the, the, the summer months over there. So um, some of the best times I've had was racing over there. And, and also raced uh, the Trans Am car over there, the Powerbuilt Mustang. Which, That's right, yeah. Yeah, that was probably my favourite car I've ever driven that car. That was... I think we won something like 95% of the races where we, we entered in that car. It was, it was just a blast. So um, one of those periods of time where enduros included, I, I raced for 11 weekends straight um, across um, one of those years, and it was just unbelievable. I was New Zealand for five days, back to Australia for two days, and did that for, for two months. So it was uh, unbelievable. You wanted a race? You, you got a race. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a funny story, Noons, about that. Uh, NZV8s, so round two, Christchurch, um, I was on pole and that upset the apple cart a fair bit. Aussie driver in New Zealand um, beating those boys with a Christchurch, so a South Island-based team. So two worst possible combinations, a South Island team because the North Islanders hate the South Islanders <laughs> and an Aussie driver, you know what I mean? And one of the team owners um, actually got my team owner up with a scruff of the neck up against uh, one of the transporters and said, you and your Aussie driver can, yeah, expletive, get the hell off, you know what I mean? So, right. yeah. Yeah, so you that was with open arms. I was welcome over there. It was interesting. I, I never realised how big the the Aussie Kiwi rivalry was until actually went across there. Because yep. over here, obviously, the Kiwis come here all the time and you just treat them like another driver. I think just because that's what you do. But you go over there, and it's 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 a big difference. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course, we don't condone any form of physical violence at a motor racing no. event. Uh, Kenny Martin, this is a good one. In fact, this is our Castrol question of the week, which is ironic because the car you were driving at the time was sponsored by a different oil brand, but it was too good not to give the question of the week to. He said, can you give us the full rundown, Luke, on Bathurst 2005 and the balaclava situation? Remember, Marcus yeah. Ambrose got pinged for not wearing one, had to come in and put one on. And Kenny says, I remember that Ingle got out of the car very quickly at one of the stops and went straight to the back of the garage with his helmet on. Were yep. any of the SBR drivers wearing their balaclava that day? You must now be honest. Statue limitations finished, has it? Or? Yeah, finished. You're all clear. Well, I, I can't be totally positive about Russell because I was in the car, obviously swapped over. I, I, I can tell you, though, I was made to wear my balaclava and I probably wouldn't have worn it unless I was specifically told to. Um, and if Russell went to the back of the garage, it's probably fair to say he went there for a reason. So <laughs> he was in a hurry to go to the toilet. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, I had to give that the question of the week thanks to Castro. Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Squirm. Uh, and I think you did just yeah. a little bit there. So yeah. there is, what, what's funny with that, though, Noons, is none of us probably wore wearing balaclavas and it's, they didn't care too much about the other underwear either. So that was. Probably another area where we could have got pinged on as well, which probably half the field would have got done on too, because those cars were very, very hot back then, and no cool suits and and no real you know airflow in the cars because they were trying to close everything up. So, 
as a driver, rightly or wrongly, we probably fudged it a little bit back then. So. Statue of limitations is yeah, yeah. You're clear though. Uh, that yeah. was our question of the week uh, with thanks to Castrol. They're more than just oil. Castrol is liquid engineering. They provide the oils, fluids and lubricants for today and the future and for Astra production cars, as you'll remember. For every driver, every rider and every industry, and you can follow Castrol on Facebook to stay across the latest in motorsport, exclusive competitions and much, much more. Uh, let's keep rolling because uh, you had a long Castrol connection there. Larry Perkins, super cheap with Steve Ellery, uh, Holden Astra, there's a, there's a bit of uh, bit of you and yeah, they, they helped me out a, a fair bit. Um, Sue Sue Dilgis, who's still there at now, she was she was a great supporter of mine. It was um, actually I can tell you another little funny story, Noons, if you like. So Bathurst 2000. Um, I'm not sure if you remember this. I, I had weird coloured hair, and um, after winning the Formula Ford Championship, there was a bet. I actually got my hair peroxide uh, blonde, that sort of Mostert style now. And um, it's fair to say it didn't go down too well with the, the boys at Larry Perkins. And, and, no. and there was a, there's a fair few of those old boys that probably questioned my sexual orientation after that decision. <laughs> um, and and Sue was like, she was on my side. She said, I leave him alone, blah, blah, blah. He was a bet. And but they, they actually made me dye it back for the for the photos, you know what I mean? So I actually had uh, had had my hair dyed back to, to brown. <laughs> for the, for the yeah, so no one knows that story either. <laughs> yeah. They do now. They do yeah. now. Only yeah. only amongst a small group of many thousand yeah. podcast listeners. Yeah. Um, Cameron Hay, another question. Is there a story behind your helmet designs? He really liked your Simple white, light blue and black helmet that you had when you were co-driving at FPR. Yeah, that, that design there was based on um, Bubba Fat. I'm a bit of a, you know, bounty hunter fan, you know what I mean? So if you actually look at that design, um, a lot of my designs are that, that same front, like a bit like the bounty hunter of Star Wars. Um, since then, though, uh, so that that's that that's where that came about, I guess. Uh, when I started driving for Penske, believe it or not, they have an issue with the amount of sponsors you have on your helmet. Um, so how I got away with that is I actually put I was sponsored by Motoring.com and car sales. Actually, put their logo as as the main part of the helmet. You know what I mean. So I actually got away with putting a big logo on the helmet without them sort of really knowing about it. If you know what I mean. So that's why my helmet looks the way it does at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Prompts a little question for me. Are you a, a keeper of stuff from over the years of your suits and your helmets and your memorabilia, or are you you let a bit of that stuff go over the years, or what's your? What, are you a whole? No, yeah. No, I've got most of that stuff. I've sort of got one thing every year I guess I don't have all my suits because a lot of a lot of teams kept a lot of them um, but I've got got the majority of suits uh, I've got all my helmets but I'm not one of these guys that usually gets two helmets a year or anything all of my helmets are pretty badly scuffed up because I've had to use them for other things you know what I mean so um, so I've got all them but they're, they're not in great shape because I've just had to you know a helmet these days is worth like five and a half grand, and so I, I try and keep it for like as, as long as I can. <laughs> no, no, it's all about getting use out of stuff, mate. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Quick one, Saren Thatch is a regular sleuth listener and follower. Uh, what's your best driving uh, piece of advice that you could give to motorists out on the road? Uh, vision up, you know what I mean? That's, that's probably the biggest thing. A lot of people look, look down the bonnet. Uh, they don't look up the road far enough. So uh, people tend to sit too high and look down the bonnet. You need to sit nice and low, get that wheel, wheel, wheel up, hold the hold the wheel at three and nine, not ten and two like you're taught. And, but the main thing, where you look is where you steer. So you've got to make sure that you are 
looking exactly where you want that car to end up, not at what you don't want to hit. So I've got a bit of driving training experience. I've done a little bit in my time. A little bit. Just just a smidgen. Uh, Jason Solis is kind of your answer. Your favourite race car you've ever driven. Sounds like it's that Trans Air Mustang from New Zealand. Yeah, that power-built Mustang, that was fantastic. When I first got in, I remember I tested at Royal Puna in Christchurch, New Zealand, and I was really intimidated by it. But um, when I got in, it was like a real race car, you know what I mean? So it it was, uh, you know, responded to every, you know, little – like you could drive that on the throttle. Like you you did not drive that car straight, and it had like 800 horsepower. It was light. It it was power steering. It it was mega. Like heaps of downforce. Like at Phillip Island, we drove it. It was doing 300 k's an hour into turn one, you know. Full something like two and a half G's. It was it was a proper car. I really love that car. Yeah, we uh, we like fast race cars. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Wayne Campbell asked a question: Are you leading the Porsche Tour this year at Target Great Barrier Reef again? If it goes if it goes ahead, I don't think it's going to go ahead, unfortunately. So it, um, that's that's another part of my career that I really enjoy is leading those Porsche tours. We, we meet some really great people and uh, we, we have a blast, you know what I mean? So some of these things, again, we touched on a little bit that, yes, I didn't get a main game drive, but I've, it's given me the opportunity to do some really cool things that I wouldn't normally have, would have done. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, Matthew McDonald asked about the Super 2 Merc wildcard. We kind of covered on that. Harry Spur, oh, this is a good one. What were your thoughts on the Brabham BT62 that you cut laps in around Mount Panorama? Because that's... Yeah, if the Mustang was my favourite race car, this this car is my favourite car of all time. Like, this thing is just, like, the, the best thing I've ever driven. It, um... That lap at Bathurst. Still around Bathurst, 1 minute 58 or something like that? Yeah, and that was with some issues, you know what I mean? So that, that car would do a 55 or a 56, you know what I mean? So... It, uh, it it is proper fast, and to be able to get around that place that that quick is just uh, is unbelievable. You know, carbon brakes, it pulls like three Gs. It's uh, you know, in testing it at the bend, um, you know, after like a fifteen lap stint, you, you can't hold your head up. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's uh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it looks the part as well as goes the part. Uh, Corey State, uh, Corey regularly asks us food-based questions, just to mix okay. it up, just to add a bit of life. But he's not today. Uh, yeah. What's the strangest thing you've been asked to sign? I don't know. That's, that's probably not too many strange things, to be honest. Um, just, the, just the normal stuff. Um, I don't know. That's a weird one. Okay. Just, no, you know, it's, Nothing you know, Lord Reynolds or someone. <laughs> Reynolds would probably have an answer for this one. Yeah, he'd have an answer. You'd have the answer you'd expect as well, but um, I don't think I've ever had that. Uh, yeah, no, just just a conventional boring stuff for me, yeah. Please yeah. sign this post to Mr. Yulden. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Barry Roycroft from Facebook, what was the Fiat Abarth like around the mountain? You did the 12-hour uh, with that multi-car team of little Fiats that were faster around the mountain. I think they did, what, mid-two-minute 30 Something no, thirty like a thirty dead or a thirty-one dead or something. Yeah, faster than so, HO phase three. It was uh, it was very fast, and that's to be honest. In testing, is one of the first cars I've almost tipped end over end, but front <laughs> backwards over. You know what I mean? Because oh. they had new, yeah, no weight in the rear. It was like a used to drive them like a like a Moto GP bike. You know how they they lift the rear wheels off the ground on the brakes. Like these cars would do that until we actually put like a, a, a like an endurance tank in the back of them. So it, that was. 
Yeah, they were, they were quite scary in testing, believe it or not, because they had, um, yeah, no, no, no weight in the back. You could, you could, yeah, drive them on the front wheels everywhere and back wheels off the ground. But um, they were really fast. Remember, we, we, we went there and everyone was really, really concerned about uh, qualifying the cars. So we had this fuel, fuel in it. It was like 24 bucks a litre and all this all this stupid stuff to try and make sure we qualified. But we, we, we well and truly were under the, under the time, like on the first lap, like they were fast cars and, they had, um, you know, they weighed nothing. I think they weighed like 800 kilos and they, they accelerated better than anything. Even the GT3 cars couldn't keep up with us out of the corners. So um, they were a lot of fun and, and, and that was a that was a, probably one of the better programs I've ever been involved with, you know what I mean? Money didn't seem to be an object. Everything was done properly. Um, great opportunity. And actually, um, Matty Campbell, believe it or not, actually raced the, the third car there just briefly for that team. So um, there's a few heavyweights in that car. There's probably a story as to why it was so brief, though. Yeah, yeah, and it depends who you believe as well, you know what I mean? So, okay, so I'll give you the version I've heard, and you can tell me whether it's true okay. or false, all right? Yeah, yeah. So there was a three-car team of those Fiat's with some journalists, some pro race drivers, some young guys like Matty Campbell. Um, but to have a class in the 12-hour to be a class, you had to have a minimum of three cars, hence why there were three entered, and that you'll see, and this is a chance for a little plug, we've done a Bathurst 12-hour book called Going Global, covers the last 10 years of the GT era of the race with a photo of every car from every year's race with a, a recap of each year, the, the results and the stats at the back. So uh, we'll have to get you one because you're featuring it prominently because you've done a lot of those 12-hour races. But uh, you'll notice that one of those Fiat's was classified as a finisher having done a grand total of 10 laps. Yeah, and that was the Young Blokes car, wasn't it? So... Yeah, it's fair to say that's probably correct, means. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long lead up to get there. I thought you were going to uh, obliterate the story, but uh, okay. Yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, you could never do that again, obviously. The, the, the race has moved on in terms of speed so much from that, but uh, it was great to be part of that. And it gave a lot of coverage uh, to, to the race as well because obviously we had some, some pretty big journos in, in each of those cars and, and you know, I can't even remember who won the race. Was it Erebus that year? I can't even remember. But um, what year was it? Twenty? Uh, would have been fourteen, I think. Uh, so yeah. they won thirteen. Uh, fourteen was yeah. Thirteen was Erebus. Fourteen was the Lowndes Ferrari. Yeah. So I, I probably they probably got no coverage, and I think we got it all. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those sort of deals. Like it was just uh, we're everywhere. <laughs> I think those little cars still existed. One of them was spending some time at the National Motor Racing Museum in. Uh, recent months. Uh, before yep. we finish, Luke, you uh, over the years have you done many top ten shootouts? No, so I've only done one at Bathurst in the twelve hour. That's the only one I've ever done. Right. So, the, yep. What was that in the Lambo? Lambo. Um, yeah, and then put it on the second row. That was that was a pretty good lap, if I don't oh. say so myself. <laughs> well, here's a chance to have another go at a top ten shootout because we have the motor focus top 10 shootout because motor focus our mates in queensland they are your home well you're in queensland so they could become your home of quality yep. models they stock all the big brands many many more uh, visit their website motorfocus.com.au or you can stop in and visit them at their store unit nine number one stockwell place in archerfield queensland there might be a few luke yield and supercars from over the days on the shelves there with dimitri and the team uh basically it's word association it's a fancy form I say something, you tell me the first word that comes into your head. I'll let you have two or three words in the first part of it, and by the end of it, you should be pretty good and you get down to one. Sound like a problem? Right. Yep. 
Give Try it to me. Shoot out. Keep the tyres warm. Don't put it in the fence and you'll be fine, all right? <laughs> um, Larry Perkins. Uh, Give me my opportunity. Yeah, opportunity. We'll go with the word. Yeah, opportunity. Still waiting on a phone call, though, about saying no or, or not for the drive. Is he, in, is he on that list of... Uh, He's on the list. He's on the list. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a long list <laughs> by the sound of it. Uh, 2000 Megal. Fast. That was fast car, that one. Yep. Barry Ryan. Uh, tough. Mm, Russell Engel. Uh, ruthless. Yeah. I, I need to point out too, you can't reuse answers, so... Uh, okay. You can't get off the hook that easy. Uh, Bathurst. Uh, mega. Just the best place ever. Yeah. Fiat A Bath. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Thought we'd throw that in because uh, yeah. it was uh, top of mind. Uh, yeah. Betty Clemenko. Uh, three were great for the sport. Like, we need, we need people like her. Yeah. So. Dave Reynolds. Uh, the best. The best? He, yeah, he's, he's the best. Yeah, yeah. Does he know he, this? He is, he is one of those guys where, you know, he, uh, when, when you're with Dave, like driving with him, you, you are a team. You know what I mean? It's it's not, uh, you know, if, if I make a mistake, he makes a mistake, you make it as a team. You know what I mean? And he doesn't, never throws you under the bus. Like he's, uh, he knows exactly what you're going through. And he's very supportive. Um he is very underrated in terms of his talent, I believe. You know what I mean? Like he's one of the. He's. I've driven with a lot of guys. You know what I mean? Bangiers and all these guys, and and he's uh, he's definitely one of the best I've ever driven with. Yeah. Do you, do you have now a yearly? I think you're going to have to have like a yearly anniversary Bathurst get together. Anything? <laughs> I hope so. You know what I mean? Let's. Uh, I actually missed out on the on the Bathurst party because. Um, I was working, to be honest. Like I was doing 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 the stuff outside of racing, so I missed out. Actually, missed out on the Bathurst party in seventeen, um, unfortunately. But that's the way it goes. Well, I'm not sure how this works with the current COVID situation, the supercars guys. But aren't they all spending two weeks doing? Well, he'll have two weeks in Queensland, right, for the next what, week and a half. Just yeah, that's an opportunity, you reckon? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind a beer or two, the Erebus boys. That's for sure. Nothing wrong with that. You got to celebrate yeah. the wins when you can. Uh, Dean Cantor. Uh, short. <laughs> no, I, I actually love driving with Dino. Like he's uh, he's probably one of the guys where we've probably been the most competitive against each other. You know what I mean? So we, we've sort of come up through a, a, the same sort of time. You know, every time we get in a car, we, we sort of match each other, like so close on times. You know what I mean? I guess that's what probably made us so competitive as well. And, and we pushed each other in, in that car in 08 and 09 for sure. And, and um, I've got a lot of respect for Dino and, and his abilities. He, he's one of the better guys for sure. Uh, one more to go. Fabian Coulthard. Uh, tall. <laughs> Opposite to Dino. Um, Again, you're just fortunate to drive with some of the some of the best guys in the category. You know what I mean? And 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 Fabian's he's up there for sure. He's um, I've known known Fab since '05, Crayer Cup days, and we've always got along and, and and pretty good mates with him. Yeah, you've survived well. You've done good. Motorcycle You didn't didn't lock a wheel, didn't touch a bit of a curb, didn't touch a, a wall. Did it very nicely. Probably went a bit long though. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. We'll, we'll forgive it. Just quickly yeah. before we go, uh, we've talked about the, the work you're doing with, with Porsche, with, with Thomas. 
uh, and, and the team up there. What else have you got on your plate? I know you've got a young family, you've got two daughters. What else is, is filling in your time? Yeah, so uh, I work for car sales as well. It's a bit of a motoring journey these days, and, and they've, uh, they've really helped me through this COVID period because pretty much everything, uh, obviously, our industry literally stopped in March. So um, most most of my work, as we touched on, is Porsche, Audi, Volkswagen, driver training, and, and that keeps me very busy outside of outside of racing. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm doing car reviews now with car sales, and um, that's, that's keeping me ticking over, I guess. So I've got a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, you know what I mean? So I think in this industry you can't just um, rest on one. You need, you need to have a few things happening because, as you know, um, as you can appreciate, one thing stops, you need to have something else happening, and, um, and that's what I've tried to, tried to manage. Do know the feeling, absolutely. Yes. Uh, when I, I sit down and prep for these podcasts, uh, we've got a, a database here that we've kept all the results. So you can't lie. If you tell any fibs, we'll pull out the right numbers. But I think you should be very proud of, of what you've got here. I, I joked with you in the lead up to arranging this chat that uh, we needed to squeeze one more season of Enduros out of you to get to your 50th Supercars Championship round. Yeah. Too short on 48. Uh Look, even if we let you out for one lap of practice at two enduros, that would still technically count as a round start. So uh, I, I don't make think we're going to do that. I try. I try. Uh, but, mate, in, in 20 years, 48 rounds, 57 individual races, a win at the place and the race that matters, eight podiums, three poles, and, of course, a bunch of those co-driver race wins as well. And don't forget in the development series, I mean, mate, you nearly did 100 races in Super 2, 98, in fact. Really? Uh, yeah, you did. 37 rounds, 98 races, uh, uh, one round win at Bathurst in 07 and one non-championship win at Bathurst in 02, five yeah. race wins, seven podiums. Uh, the pole position line, though, empty, empty in DBS. What a, what a fail, Lukey. Yeah, I know. Like I said, I touched on before, I probably never had um... – you know, we just never got it together with the right opportunity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm a race. We've plenty of excuses. <laughs> no, we're you, know, when you get, your license, you get, a, you get a, a book this thick of excuses. That's, that's what happens. That's the, that's the initiation. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. no, no, no. It's it's a well worn book. It gets passed on from generation to generation. Absolutely. But yeah. mate, the, the, the numbers are, are great, and I think it's testament to uh, to you the way you've always gone about it that uh, that you've had an endurance seat for 20 years in the top level category at the biggest races of the year. 20 starts in the 1,000, a win, two podiums, 11 top 10s and 16 finishes. It's a very good percentage rate that you should be very, very proud of. Uh, I'm sure there's tons of stuff that we haven't had time to cover or delve into a bit deeper, but thanks again, mate, for going down memory lane. And uh, the good, the bad, the indifferent and all of it, it all makes the journey and uh, you've done a sensational job. So thanks again. I appreciate it, Noons. Thank you. Um, There's always plenty more stories. If you want me on again, I'm happy to come on again, mate. We can do another couple of parts. Don't you worry about that. We'll hold you to that. You bring the good stuff and we'll let you back anytime. No worries. A big thank you to Luke Yildon. He took heaps of time to go down memory lane with us, so I really appreciate Luke taking the time to do that. Uh, There's probably a pile more things that we could put, as we mentioned, into some future episodes, so you never know. We might just drag Luke back to have another crack on the V8 Sleuth podcast somewhere down the track. Now, I mentioned during the podcast about our Bathurst Going Global book. It's 12 hours 
of Bathurst like you've never seen it before. Ten years of the GT era in a 320-page collector's book. It is due out in the middle of August. Luke's in it from his time racing there with uh, the Fiat that we talked about, his time in Roger Lago's Lamborghini, and also the, the Grove Group Porsche as well. So he's driven a, a pile of cars, and Luke, of course, features in that book among a pile of 12-hour superstars because there's a photo of every car from every year's race. The full results, review chapters on each year's race. Order it now from bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. And, of course, Luke won Bathurst in a hold and one of the last wins for... Uh, the general in the great race, the Super Cheap Auto Bathurst 1000. Uh, that's covered. We've got a page for every Bathurst winning car and driver lineup uh, in Bathurst history as part of our 400 page Racing the Lion tribute to Holden. It's an illustrated history of Holden in Australian motorsport. It's due about the same time as the 12 hour book, mid August. Jump on our website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. It is a, uh, a book that I reckon will be a pretty popular one for fans of the red cars for. Uh, Father's Day and Christmas this year so make sure you don't miss out and grab yourself a copy. Thanks for all the feedback on the podcast Uh, we do say it all the time please leave a review, tell us what you like tell us what you don't like wherever you listen to your favourite podcast, rate us of course five stars, I mean there's no other option really is there, Uh, tell all your mates do all the things that you've got to do share it around on social media Uh, we try to do podcasts that probably are a bit more evergreen than newsy so uh, it's okay if you get given a link that uh, is to one of our podcasts because it might be talking about things from 15 or 20 years ago. So it doesn't matter if you're a couple of months behind. Catch up and go through our back catalogue of episodes of the V8 Sleuth podcast. I reckon there is something in there for everybody. Of course, you can sign up to our newsletter too so you get the latest in offers. There's a few offers sneaking around at the moment that unless you're on the newsletter list, you won't know about. So sign up to it now through our website, v8sleuth.com.au. Follow us on socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the regular places. Next week on the podcast, Will Dale and I are back together and we're going to take a look at the 20th anniversary of the Super 2 Series. Take a run down, well, not a run, a drive, down memory lane about some of the the great issues, cars, drivers, races and things that have been involved in 20 years of the development series of supercars. There's so much to discuss. If you've got some topics that you'd like to hear us talk about relating to Super 2 over its history of 20 years, jump on the website and send us an email via our contact page. We'd love to hear your suggestions and we'll try to weave as many of them in as we can. That is next time. This time's done. Thanks for joining us on the V8 Sleuth podcast powered by Timken. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.